home prices rose four and a half times faster in the last decade than they had in the previous four and a half decades overall, meaning just by that number alone, you would think we're in a bubble. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keens with GoldSilverPros.com, recording on September 7th, 2023. Today's presentation is real estate. This is one I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, a lot of you may not know this, but before I got into gold and silver around 2009, I had been running real estate investment firms on my own here in North Texas. Uh, we started in 2000, and I ran two LLCs in North Texas, renting, buying, and selling homes for almost 20 years. We did pretty well at that. Uh, I did that on the side while I also worked a full-time job and got a master's. And then it wasn't until 2018 when I sold my homes and moved a lot of my wealth over into the precious metals and paid off a lot of debt and basically restructured my entire investment portfolio. So I have been following real estate and looking at real estate statistics for over 25 years because I researched this a couple of years before I actually started buying them in 2000. I have a lot more experience actually in real estate than I do any other single financial market. And so I've been connected to what's going on in the market. And what I have been seeing, and I predicted in 2018, when I liquidated the last of my rental homes was in a few years where we're going to start to have a rental crash, or not a rental crash, but a housing crash, which would incorporate both the rental and the sale markets. And now I'm going to bring to you a whole bunch of data, a data series I've been working on for a very long time as to what's going to happen and why real estate will be next. So the title of the presentation is The Data Don't Lie why a housing crash is next and away we go without further ado home for sale is this the path to riches yes or no well let's take a look first at overall real estate prices and i've graphed this back to the 1980s so this is before i even got involved in 2000. Uh, this predates mike's my, my personal experience as an investor by about 15 years and from about 1985 to about 2005 2006 we had a 291% increase in home prices. Sounds pretty good, right? That means people did pretty well. Well, it was only, you know, annualized a 1.65% average yearly gain because the rule of interest rates is you take the gain you have one year, you capitalize it back into the price, and then you multiply the gain the next year. So it's basically an exponent problem of figuring out how much it increased per year. So only 1.65% per year not a huge bubble in real estate over that period of time. Of course, we know what happened in 2000, 2007 and eight. we had a crash uh, and it alleviated about 27.5% of home price values. Now they didn't come back down to where they were in 1985, but they did come down to where they were right after the tech crash in the early 2000s. So we lost about four to five years of real estate value in that crash, which lasted from 2006 to about 2012. So before the Lehman crisis, there had been two years of declining real estate prices, which led to the mortgage-backed security crisis. And we'll get into mortgage-backed securities here in a moment, and we'll see the absolute ridiculous explosion in them in just a few moments and why this bubble is so much bigger than the bubble that crashed in 2000, 2007, 2008. And what that's going to mean, ladies and gentlemen, is this housing crash is going to be worse. Now you look at the acceleration for the last 10 years of real estate prices. I just graphed 2012 to 2022, and we had a 223% increase and the average annualized rate was 8.5%. That is right. 7% more per year or another way to look at it. 
homes rose over the last 10 years four and a half, almost five times as fast as they did the previous uh, 45 years. That's right. Home prices rose four and a half times faster in the last decade than they had in the previous four and a half decades overall, meaning just by that number alone, you would think we're in a bubble. Of course, we know that the Fed has printed more money in that period of time. So a lot of money got pushed into the stock market and homes and things like that. Because when you print more money, it's got to bid prices up somewhere in the economy. It's bid up energy. We've had high inflation, but it also bid up housing costs. And we're going to see the consequences of that as we go along. But I want to emphasize here a modest 1.65% average annualized gain over four decades. And we had a 27.5% housing crash over a period of six years which led to the Lehman collapse and almost a collapse of the global financial system in the Great Recession if the pundits were correct, if we listened to what everybody said back then since the Great Recession. Well, fast forward 14, 15 years later, and we've had four and a half times the growth rate. What's the crash going to look like this time? But there's a lot more to this. Let's dig in. So a lot of people say, well, Rob, the housing market is actually not going to crash. It's perfectly priced. We need, we, we need more homes than we have. There's, there's existing home demand. There's a lot of people that moved here, not as many homes for sale. Home prices have to go up, right? And that I've seen that argument on Twitter a thousand times. And the problem with doing any analysis on Twitter is it's only, what, 280 characters or whatever it is. And you can put some videos, short form videos on there, but you can't explain a complex market like real estate on Twitter. Even if you're doing a main post, a short video and five or six, but there's not enough space. You know, you have to have a long form video or a long form content like this to really explain what's going on. So the simplistic arguments that I get on Twitter all the time about, Rob, the housing market can't crash. It's actually got to go up because we don't have enough houses available. Doesn't examine all the data I'm going to be giving you today. And we're going to go way past inventory. I wanted to make the point that since 2000, the last 20-ish, 22 years, there hasn't been a major difference in the availability of homes. Now, this chart makes it look like there is. Rob, it's a roller coaster. It's up, it's down, it's up. Yes, but it's a zoomed in chart. Look at the numbers. It started at about 0.548 before, and now it's back at 0.545. So in other words, only about 0.02 difference in houses per people, meaning for every 100 households, only two less houses are available. Okay, over the last 20 years. So over the last 20 years, per 100 households, only two less houses available. So there's not a gigantic housing shortage, even though you look at the chart, like, oh my God, it's not. It's a zoomed in chart, and these are very small percentage numbers. So yes, we do have less homes available, and I'll explain why in a moment and what happened to them, but it is not a housing shortage. Let me say this again. It is not a housing shortage. I'm, I'm going to show you generational level of data that's going to explain why we are not in a housing shortage. Now, is there not enough of a certain type of home available that people can afford based on current interest rates? Yes, we'll get into that. But is there overall net net of population and demand for housing a housing shortage? The answer is definitively no. And I'm gonna hit that point so hard in this presentation when <clears throat> the people say that we have a housing shortage should probably go back and look at the data again. Let's get into the next chart. This is a nice chart for Mish over at Mish Talk, and he's graphing a whole bunch of stuff on here. The two things I want you to pay attention to, prices of houses are rising faster 
than either rents or inflation. And I'm going to show you in a minute where inflation is really high. And we know, I'm sorry, where rents are really high. And we know inflation's high, but the housing prices have disconnected from rents. If you look at uh, the OER, I'm sorry, rent of primary residence, the yellow line here uh, sort of at the bottom, that's what that's the measure of if you took your home and rented it back to yourself in the market without furnishings or anything like most homes are, that that has risen very modestly. But the blue lines are the 10 city and the national indexes on home prices. Home prices have blown away the average rental rates. And we're going to show you where rental rates are high, especially since the 80s. That will blow your mind as we get in the presentation. <coughs> but even given the rise in rental rates over the same time period, housing prices simply rose too high. And we're going to get into why that is an extremely bad problem, given what's happening to wages and affordability as we get there in a moment. Thank you to Mish for putting this together. Also, you can see on the bottom, the CPI now, I know that CPI is not the real measure of inflation, but we use it because it's the data that we have available because it's government data and you can you can get it all for the same period. So I know CPI is not a great measure, but CPI has risen much less than either rent, but really a lot less than home prices. And when I show you CPI versus rents and you see that gulf, that's the gulf between these two bottom lines down here, the green and the yellow. When you see the gulf between CPI rent and house prices, it's gargantuan over the same time frame. Houses are too expensive right now. And that means we have to prices have to come down. But don't take my word for it just yet, because like I said, this is a long data series. We got more. We're only on the first couple of slides. So who's buying the homes? If you look at mortgage-backed security rates, we're now, uh, or mortgage-backed securities, we're up to 2.5 trillion, trillion with a T in mortgage-backed securities. In 2009, right after the crash, where were we? We were at a much lower number. We were in the hundreds of billions. So we have gone from hundreds of billions in 14 to 15 years since the Great Recession to 2.5 trillion. What does this tell us? It tells us a lot of things. One, there's a lot of money that went into mortgages. Why? Well, look at the cost of houses. It's really, really high. So when a house is more expensive, and I'll show you data from the National Association of Realtors on just how bad it is and affordability is right now, what happens is you got to take a bigger mortgage to buy that next house, right? So people are spending more as a percentage of their income on houses. In fact, this is a fact. I looked this up both for houses that you're buying, so your mortgage or your P&I payment, if you will, P&I without paying insurance and, and taxes, just P&I. Both P&I, if you're buying a home, and rental uh, rates, if you're renting a home or renting an apartment or renting a space, are both over 30% or right at 30% or over 30% of income. And what realtors will tell you, rental professionals, mortgage professional, professionals will tell you, you try not to go over 30% housing cost to your gross income. Because once you go over 30% of housing cost to your gross income, not after tax or net, I'm talking gross, like you, all the money you make and you don't subtract anything per year, let's say you're salaried at 85 grand, we're not subtracting taxes or food costs or auto costs or anything. We're saying that's what you make, even if the IRS takes their chunk out every month. Okay, let's say you make 85,000. Once you go above 30% of that gross, before you pay any of the bills, in housing costs, you become what they call stressed. The entire country in the United States is in the stressed category, net of everything, when it comes to both 
mortgages on bought homes and rental rates. Let me say that again. The entire country as an average is now in the stressed area for both home prices, amount of money you have to spend for your home or rent in an apartment, meaning there is no cheaper option. And when you're in the stress rate, that leads to what? Delinquencies, delinquencies on everything. That's why we're starting to see credits, credit bust, like higher credit card delinquency rates, higher rates on student mortgage delinquencies. Remember that chart I showed you a few weeks ago where I brought you data from a bunch of government and independent resources like Morgan Stanley, where I said, 34% of, of uh, people who had student loans would not be able to pay those back at all. And I think it was something like another 40% would have to give up something else. And they, and part of that was defaulting on other debt. And some of that was, they just wouldn't buy anything. So the general economy is going to have less spend in it. Remember that? Well, it's because everybody's in the stress category with their housing costs. Housing costs are eating up the lion's share of people's budgets. And both from a mortgage perspective and a rental perspective, people are stressed. I'm hammering that point home on purpose. What are the causes? Existing home sales have crashed. Why? Because people don't want to give up their earlier 3% interest rate that you got in the free money era, you know, from about 2010, 2009, 2010, when the Fed cut interest rates to when they started raising interest rates really in effect last year, <clears throat> essentially. People don't want to pay 4% more for a house. So they're not selling them. They're not selling and moving. The amount of people moving you know, and selling and buying a house, those those two things together has gone down, as well as a lot of this existing uh, mortgage debt that we have that is shown on this chart, the 2.5 trillion, went to people who uh, put them on Airbnb or similar rental sites. And that's the short term listing or the STL market that uh, people are becoming uh, their own hotel, for example, and renting out short term one day to, to two weeks. To people that are traveling and we'll, we'll talk about the crash in that market here in a moment as you can see here according to company data and TechCrunch, airbnb listings have mushroomed the last 10 years from 2013 to 2022 it went from 300 million i'm sorry three i think it's yeah 300,000 listings to 6.6 .6 million so 300,000 listings 10 years ago to 6.6 .6 million do that math in your head how many more homes around the world are now listed for rent. And a lot of those are listed in the United States, not the majority, but a lot. A lot of places are listed for rent on Airbnb in the United States and across the world. Airbnb's done well, but their income's falling because they're having people are having a hard time renting out their Airbnbs. Why? Rent's got too expensive. How do we know this? What's the problem? Well, look at the percentage change in median household income and median rent price. And this is just as an Airbnbs, this is overall rents. Anything that's rented you know, since 1985, you can see that median household income has gone up by about 38 to 40%, according to this chart. But the median rent price has gone up 150%, almost four times. Almost four times the median rent has gone up more than the household income. And remember a minute ago when I said the entire country, whether you rent or own your home or you rent it, you're in stress category. This is what happens when wages don't increase as much as rents and housing prices. And this chart basically proves it. People cannot afford their rent anymore. They cannot afford their rent. So it's not as easy as selling a house to someone else and then going and renting because you're going to be stressed anyway because the rent is still going to be more than 30% of your gross income. And that's the danger zone, according to mortgage professionals, real estate agents. And when I was buying rental properties from 2000, 2018 and running them, 
I had to make sure that I had enough rental income coming from the properties plus my job income so that all of my rent payments and my house payment on where I was living did not exceed 30% of my gross or else they would turn down the loan. So I would have to cure my houses for six to eight months before really I could buy a new one when I first started. Then, you know, as I started getting more rental income and paying down, um, paying down my mortgages and refinancing to where I had lower uh, loan to values and higher amounts of free cash flow every month. At that point, I was able to start accelerating how many homes I bought. But it takes a while when you first become an investor to do that, right? It takes a while to build that up like any business. So I had to be very careful in the beginning not to exceed my own uh, ratio of 30% of income going to housing costs. And that included my investment property. So in the beginning, we bought a much smaller house than we could actually afford because I had rental properties. And eventually that rental income helped me buy a much nicer house. But it took a decade for that to occur. Okay. And that's because they watched that. So I went through that calculation with my underwriters probably 30 or 40 times in the span of 18 years. And so I know it very well. This simply the banks don't like to loan more than 30% of gross income uh, to a home purchase and apartments don't like to approve it as far as rental income. All right. What has happened overall with home affordability? Well, from 2020 to 2023, you're going to see some astounding numbers here. This is from the National Association of Realtors, and they both rent homes and they sell them and they get all the statistics on. They have to qualify buyers, you know, to either rent the home or to buy the home. So they have all this data on loan to value, mortgage rates, monthly P&I payments, a percentage of income, all that kind of stuff. They have to. It's part of the process. You're not going to buy a home unless you go through this. Well, let's work left to right and let's read the numbers. In purple on the left, we've had a 39% increase in housing, the average median listed house in three years. Let me say that again. In three years, house prices have gone up almost 40%. In three years, housing prices have gone up almost 40%, the median home. Certainly, we got bigger homes, but the median home size has gone up 40%. The mortgage rate has more than doubled. The mortgage rate has more than doubled. What does that mean? The next column over in orange, your monthly uh, principal and interest payment has more than doubled. Why? Because 40% increase in houses, more than a doubling of interest rate, you're going to have more than a doubling of your monthly P&I payment. Okay. Moving over to the red column, payment as a percentage of income. Okay. In 2020, it was 14.7%, well under the 30% threshold. Where are we now? 285 and this number is actually old because it just came out in the news that nationally the PNI payments are at about 30%. So in the last couple of months, you've actually jumped over a percent to where they're in the danger territory of 30%. That means housing prices cannot go any higher. People cannot afford them, period, end of story. And they're not going to get loans for them because even though there have been some loosening of loan uh, terms from lenders, they're not making the same mistakes that they made leading up to 2008. You cannot, it's very hard to get a an, no income, no documentation loan. It's very hard to get over that 30% threshold. They got much tighter lending standards than they had before because of regulations. Because so in moving to the purple column, the average family income in the last three years has only gone up 8%. So housing cost has more than doubled in three years, but only 8% increase in uh, wage income or in salary income. So while prices have gone up over 100%, income only 8%, there's almost a 100% gulf from that between 
that and that's why housing affordability is going down the last column with the purple arrow on the right you can see affordability is crashing anything over 100 means in general you can afford anything on the market and in 2020 you could you could afford you know the index is really high 169.9 everything could be afforded with room left over but starting in 2022 some of the homes on the market started to become unaffordable. We had a 94.5 index. It's under 100, meaning not everything is affordable given the people in the market. About 5.5 uh, percentage points of the homes are not affordable. Now we're at 87.8. If you look at June of 2023, more than one-tenth of homes are not even affordable at this point, even if you could get a loan. Okay, that's another uh, indication that housing prices must fall. And simply building a new home is not going to solve that because people can't afford the ones that are already out there. And it gets worse as we get further in the presentation. But I've shown you an immense amount of data in a short period of time to show you that, one, people cannot afford what they already have and they can't afford new ones. And it's not a housing shortage. Yes, existing home sales have crashed. Uh, and there's reasons for that. Existing home sales plummet on the next chart. This is from uh, Trading Economics, a chart. And ultimately, the data is from National Association of Realtors. And trading economics. So in about 20 months, since the beginning of 2022, almost 2.5 million units have, have basically not been listed. Or we have another way to look at it is we have 2.5 million units less than we had before. Okay. That's over a third of, in, of existing home sales less than we had 20 months ago. Okay. A third, over a third less sales of existing homes than we had 20 months ago. Why? Well, two reasons. One, people don't want to sell their home that they have a cheaper rate on for a higher rate, 3% to 7%. Okay. You know, existing loans versus getting a new one at the higher rate since the Fed's been raising rates. And two, the affordability index. Remember, people can't afford to buy new homes. So it's both that people don't want to sell what they have, which is the cheapest financing in history at 3% on average, and they can't afford it anyway. There, there's not enough buyers to afford new stock. So people can't list as many homes. Again, it's not a housing shortage. It is a shortage of available buyers with both the credit and the money to buy it and sellers who don't want to take on a higher interest rate and actually make their situation worse. Why can they not take on a higher interest rate? Because they can't, they can't go afford the new home if they take a higher interest rate. Look at what the doubling of, of the mortgage rates has already done to affordability. Okay, if they go from 3 to 7%, they're going to have to take a much smaller house. Or maybe go rent. Okay, it doesn't solve their problem. They're not going to do it. They're going to hold on to it. So a lot of people are holding on their homes to sell. And we'll get into the end where that's going to cause a problem. Well, what about in the rental market? Remember where I said rentals are no longer affordable? Well, the investor purchases homes to rent, whether it be an Airbnb or a rental property, has fallen 49% in the last quarter. 49% by half in the last quarter of this year. By half. In the last quarter of this year, by half in the last quarter of this year, purchases of investment homes, according to Redfin, by half, half. Look at that. And what does this look like? This looks like 2006 to 2009. What was this? This was the lead up to and the aftermath of what? The Great Recession. We're in the pattern now of investor purchases falling before what? A recession. What are we going into? What have I been talking about all year? A recession. And in a recession, can more people afford homes or less people afford homes? Less. What happens to investor purchases of homes? It goes down. Why? You have to drive down inventory so that less people who have good income can, can have cheaper prices 
so that they can start gobbling up inventory again. And once that went for several years, you had people start to rent again and people start to buy rental homes. Investors will buy rental homes if there's renters, if there's no renters because they can't afford it in the middle of a recession and leading up to a recession. So this is a leading indicator. The crash in investors buying homes comes before the recession and it's happening again. And this is the biggest crash on investment homes on record, according to Redfin, on record in a single quarter, on record in a single quarter happened in 2023. Well, if people could afford to rent and could afford to buy. Why would we have the biggest crash in investor purchase homes on record? I thought we needed more homes, right? Isn't it a housing shortage? No, it's an affordability gap. It's not a housing shortage. It's an affordability gap. That's different. That is different. And that's what most people aren't going to tell you if you're reading Twitter. I'm sorry. Okay. Last slide for you guys or last informational slide. I've shown this before. I got this from a, a reporter here in DFW. If you want to know who it is, go to my uh, Twitter feed and click on who I'm following. I only follow like 160 people. She's one of the most recent ones. She's a reporter out of Dallas-Fort Worth, very popular. And she gave me this chart. And I love this chart. So this is a generational wealth chart. The entire 50% or left side of this chart is the baby boomers. The problem is they're age 59 to 77. If you look at my little note in the upper left-hand corner in red with a little arrow, ages 59 to 77, what do they do? They're retiring. Half of them are trying to retire or retiring and next are coming up in the next four to seven years. Okay. By the end of this decade, the baby boomers effectively are going to be out of the workforce for the most part. Some of them may hang on because they may need the income. Maybe they're still working at the job because they can't leave. But most of them can't because look at all the, the income, all the wealth that they have. Well, what happens to anybody when they retire? They don't need a big-ass McMansion house. What do they do? They start selling it. They don't need a vacation home. Or maybe they move in the vacation home because it's where they want to live and it's smaller and more affordable on their fixed income because they don't have a job. And they got to downsize or get rid of. So where's all that inventory going to go? Well, you only have 29.5% of wealth belonging to Gen X, which is my generation. We can't absorb all the sales. Well, where's it going to go next? Well, the silent generation, they're older than the baby boomers. They're in retirement at home. They hold assets. They're going to will them down, will that money down. And the baby boomers are going to use it to pay off debt and sell their houses. So who's left to buy? At a meager 8.5% of all wealth in, in the U.S. belongs to the millennials who are age 27 to 48. They're prime spending years. Prime spending years, that's who marketers are marketing to now. That's why you see millennial-focused advertising, because they're supposed to be the ones buying all the stuff. But they can't, because their, their wages haven't kept up. They can't afford a home right now. They can't even afford rent. They're stressed. Who's going to buy all the damn homes from the baby boomers? Gen X can't. Uh, millennials can't. What's got to happen when you've got more supply of homes than you have buyers who can afford them? Home prices have to come down. And it's not just number of units. It's size of unit. It's expense of unit. The baby boomers have the bigger homes, the more expensive homes. Gen X and the millennials can't afford them. It's got to come down. It has to come down. You have to reach equilibrium. What's my prediction? What's going to happen? Home prices must come down to affordable levels. The boomers will not be able to sell their homes, all of them. They're going to will some of them. And because they're willing them, and the Gen Xers and Millennials are going to get free ones. They're going to buy a whole lot less. And that's going to put downward pressure on overall prices. And the real estate will crash below the medium uh, wage to rent prices before rising back to equilibrium. So at the end of the day, 
a lot of these demographic factors and affordability factors are going to lead to home prices having to come down. Also, what people think we have a current availability problem of homes, it's not that. It's that a lot of them aren't coming on the market for the reason stated. And as we get into an aging baby boomer generation who wants to get rid of their existing homes, downsize, get rid of second and third homes, uh, that's going to put more supply on the market and more into the hands of people who have less disposable income. Now, to be fair, you know, the millennials will inherit a lot of wealth. Uh, Gen X will inherit a lot of wealth from those older generations over time. But a lot of that wealth is going to come in the form of houses because the number one investment for most people in America are homes, followed by stocks and things like that. And unless you think the stock market's going to continue booming like it has for the last 14 years, the value of those portfolios are going to come down. Um, and homes are going to be dumped on the market through wills and estates and things like that and through sales. So I think more than likely we're going to have a crash in the market. Here are some of the sources I use, not all the sources, but some you can look at. I think we're probably going to have a crash in the market overall. Uh, it's not going to be all at once. It's going to take some time for it to happen. But I think we're already starting to see that from an affordability perspective, uh, from a new home sales perspective, from a rent perspective, uh, we're, it's already under pressure, you know, across the United States. And something has to give there because that trend can't keep going. At some point in time, uh, it has to get back to some equilibrium point. And if you look at recessions, and when you go into recessions, home prices will come down. Uh, the last one, it crashed down, I think. 27.5%. This time, I think it'll be a little bit more than that, more than likely. We'll have to see what happens. And usually, they crash down below the affordability level. Usually, when you go into a recession, everything gets you know, cheaper than it needs to be, and then it comes up to some equilibrium point where it balances the equation. It balances what people can afford and what the cost is. So, you know, I think over the next 5 to 10 to 15 years, there's going to be a lot of downward pressure on real estate and there may even be some excess inventory uh that that i'm not sure the younger generations are going to be able to afford all this inventory that's going to start coming onto the market especially if you look at the ramp up of all the homes we built in the last 10 years since the last great recession we built a lot of them uh, part of that's because we had a lot of immigration and population growth but since wages haven't kept up uh, you can't continue on that pace it's just not the math doesn't work you cannot continue on the pace we had the last 15 years for the next 15 years it's not going to work demographically. It's not going to, the, the numbers don't work. The affordability doesn't work. So I believe that real estate is going to come down. And I think that's a, you know, a great opportunity for uh, people essentially to get into other assets. Of course, I sell gold and silver. Some people are getting into Bitcoin, but I think there will be some investments in some other things. And I think when the real estate comes down, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have, um, you're going to have people start to get back into it and you'll have investors start to buy the homes again. Uh, all of those types of things will start to occur. And eventually, you know, it'll be, it'll be more affordable for people, but that's going to take time to work all of that stuff out. I don't know that that's going to happen right away. Uh, I think it's going to take time, honestly. 
Um, in any case, that's my research on that. Uh, I wanted to share with you a special that we're running right now for those of you who are interested in precious metals. Now, we have done a lot of sales for other people at other points in time. Now we have our own store. I'm standing in my store here in Grapevine, Texas, for those of you that don't know. We just opened the store just a few days ago. We just completed our first week of business, done very well here. And we also have an online store at www.goldsilverpros.com. And we have been running specials for those on our email list for the past week or so uh, as we open up our online store and our Discord and Telegram channels. And now we're opening it up to everybody that follows us on social media. And that'll be the pattern that we have when specials come out, either online or in the store, we'll advertise them to those that have signed up on the email on the website to have their email address there or to our uh, Discord and Telegram channels. So if you want first access to these, uh, you'll definitely want to join those first. So for example, we were selling Britannia bars on a special and they sold out really fast. I sold the last ones this morning, but we do have three items here. We have one ounce generic silver rounds at $25 a piece, um, 10 ounce generic silver bars, uh, $2 over spots so would be about $25 each. And then we have these awesome Eagle Forge bullion bars. These are five ounce bars stamped by a mint. Uh, a friend of mine runs a mint near here and has built up quite the sales here in Dallas-Fort Worth. And we're, but we're the only place you can get these online. You can come into my store in Grapevine and get them, or you can get those online. They're five ounces. There are four designs, as you see there, uh, the come and take it, the skulls, the Eagle Liberty, and the Don't Tread on Me's. I just sold to a gentleman four of the Don't Tread on Me and four of the come and take it this morning. Uh, and if you order over $1,000, it's free shipping. Uh, and we'll ship you know anywhere uh, in the United States on that deal. So just wanted to share that with you guys if you're interested. But uh, I wanted to bring you that research because I've seen a lot of chatter over the last five to six months about, you know, don't panic in the real estate market. It's going to get better. And that's typical when you first get into the real estate crash. You know, we've started to see that real estate crash in terms of investors not buying homes, rents being too expensive, existing home sales coming down. Those are early signs that we're getting into not only a recession, but a pullback in the housing market. Same thing that happened, you know, back 2006 to 2008, we're in that time frame, which tells me one, we're very close to getting into a recession, but also into a recession specific, specifically in housing and grab that phone, specifically in housing. And essentially um, that is cyclical. It happens every four to, to 10 years. Well, we're actually in a 14 year bull market. So it's going to happen again. It's just cyclical. Uh, but in this case, I think there's so much excess in the housing market that more has to come out. And that's my hypothesis. I think I showed a lot of good data around that today. I want to thank you guys for joining the program. This has been your host, Rob Keens of goldsilverpros.com. Uh, oh, uh, one announcement I have today before we leave. I'm going to make a little bit of change in the content. We've been providing so much content. We're going to, what we're going to do is change our content format. We're going to do our weekly market wraps at the beginning of the week. We're going to do our Thursday presentations. We're going to stop doing the lives for now uh, just because while we really love doing lives and engaging with you, we have tons of other ways to engage with you. We've opened new multimedia outlets, social media outlets. Uh, TikTok is now open. We're going to be performing, uh, providing more short form content that's more popular than the long form content. We'll still have our long form content twice a week here, but we're going to do more short form content on TikTok. We're opening up our Telegram and Discord channels. And we'll bring more social media to you as well. We're also going to be starting a blog on our website, www.goldsilverpros.com, where I do a lot of economic research in depth there. So we'll have three 
forms of long form content, our blog and our two videos on YouTube. And then we're gonna bring you the shorter form content on those other channels. So we'll still be doing actually more than we did before, but we're only be doing two videos a week on YouTube. It, stop by the other channels and take a look at those as well. The links are down there in the description. All right, till next time, Rob Keats, goldsoverpros.com. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.